It's Shalacia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. I'm gonna be sitting down with our unique guests, entrepreneurs, and passionate people to help tell their stories about problems they're solving and their unique solutions. Hey everyone, today we have incredible Jackie and Ben here, the founders of Side Door Bar and In Bloom. They're gonna take us through their unique story of how they found different niche spots within different industries and how they're working on their various businesses to grow them and be innovative to curate a new successful experience for you. So before we dive into their story about their businesses, let's get to know the entrepreneurs behind the business, which is Jackie and Ben, like I just said. So Jackie, what what's your background and what allowed you to become ready to take on the role of being an entrepreneur? Um, so I am, I've always worked in marketing. Um, I was working in social media marketing, marketing at the time when we started the bar. Um, and Ben actually had bought a house right close to the bar and in that neighborhood. So he's always wanted, he saw that bar, that small, um, it used to be a bar before we opened up. It was called the We Dram. Um, and Ben just kind of saw, like had a vision for it already. Um, and as soon as he showed me the place, I feel like I, I instantly saw what he saw as well. So I, it, it became a passion project to even just like start, um, just think of ideas of how we can get this bar going. I used to pass by that bar all the time. I never noticed it, never noticed the area much. Um, so I think that's what drove me to even, to start this up with Ben. Um, I think the area needed something. It's such a nice, I love the neighborhood of Ainsley Wood and Westdale, um, but I noticed that everything was always closer to McMaster, closer to King William Street or, or downtown. Um, and there was nothing in that area, there was something missing in that area and I, I, I knew that we could fill that gap. Um, and yeah. what do you think set you up for success? Like you have a background in marketing. Was there any other life experiences you think sort of prepared you for the moment? And even having the thoughts, like you said, you started to explore what could this opportunity or passion project look like? Um, yeah, I kind of I saw the um, the effects of how like my social media, my work. Uh, could really build a business and I I knew that I could do this for the side door and I knew I could create a space that I um, I felt that could be inclusive and safe for everybody and I was seeing Hamilton kind of growing in that direction and I wanted to be part of that movement so I think that's what really made me passionate about um, even opening up the bar I saw it more than a bar from the start I knew I knew we we're calling it the side door bar but I knew that it was going to be more than that. Um, I don't think I, I knew in what direction we were going to take it, but I knew that there was just more to do. And Ben, what about you? Like, what what set you up to become an entrepreneur, or has this always been a goal for you? Um, when I was young, I played almost exclusively with Lego, and I think that just made me always into someone that wanted to build constantly. Um, so ever since then, I've always been trying to try new things. Uh, um, I got into crypto, I started, uh, but not investing. I started making the little computers that figure out the stuff. And um, that was my first real success as an entrepreneur, I'd say. And I realized, wow, yeah, I can really turn something from nothing into 
something that other people want. And uh, it was exciting. It wasn't, you know, it was never about the money. It's just about, uh, it was really exciting to me. And, you know, you, you meet a lot of good people on, along the way. And it's just constantly puzzle solving, which I really enjoy. And I think that was the same for me, is that in a different way, I'm not really the hands-on builder, but I was more of the creative. And I saw that with marketing projects I've worked at. Um, I worked at a social media agency where I had to um, build help build uh, brands for small businesses. Um, and then before that, I worked for a TV station at TLN. So like, I saw the power and impact that marketing has on a business. Um, and I always like, I really liked working projects as well as like what you were saying and building them from the ground up and then just kind of not moving on, but um, maybe just doing more projects. So I feel like the side door was kind of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's lots of passion on your end, Jackie, mm -hmm. to like dive into something new and exciting, figuring it out. And also for you, Ben, it, it's about creating. How can you curate something out of nothing? And, and you saw that success in your crypto business. What was the opportunity or what was the problem that you really saw? And I know Jackie talked about it initially, but what sparked the idea to take this previous bar and turn it into the side door bar? Um, I think nowadays, you know, at least I know for me, like I'm searching for authenticity in a world where you can order anything off of Amazon and have it delivered sometimes the same day. That's you know, things just kind of lose value. So I think people are searching for authenticity. And uh, the bar before was uh, just a local watering hole. Like it was a, it was a nice place, but uh, it didn't really give what, it wasn't what I was searching for, which was I want a cool place I could go, have a few like cocktails that people put thought into. Um, welcoming space. Yeah, welcoming space. And then like, and everyone there was kind of, uh, I don't know, just not, I want to say my age, but you know, they're just, they're also looking for like cool beers, cool, cool people. And yeah, I think um, something that we both, um, before we even met each other is that we tend to gravitate the same places. So we used to go to this place right on King William Street called Baltimore House. And that was just such a comfy space for us. So authentic. So yes. authentic. Those I'm, pews. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and we're such different personalities, so the fact that we felt comfortable in the same um, space just like kind of spoke volumes to me. And I feel like I wanted to. I actually my my goal for the side door was to kind of create that same feeling and mm -hmm. that they did for me and for you. They were doing well. It was you know in the end, I think it was corporate greed that kind of. Um, the, the street just was changing, but uh, but yeah, I, I like I'm an introvert, you're an expert, and so but that we desire both, was there, yeah. We yeah. both like I think I everybody I speak to or spoken to has always said that Baltimore House was amazing, and so they, like everybody's got had a great story or experience, and I wanted that for the side door, too. Mm -hmm. So that was an experience you wanted to relive and bring back to life and bring back to the city, yeah, because clearly it was a gap that wasn't there, and that's mm -hmm. what you really identified was there wasn't that cool hip come be yourself yes because i think that that is what was authentic about baltimore house 100%. anyone can be in that space and feel very comfortable with their friends and things like that yeah. so with that you've got the idea you've got a potential location what triggered it um it was the opportunity the um the like the old owner um just uh 
pretty much sold it for for like nothing. And I thought, you know, this is our opportunity. Like we're gonna just put. We didn't start with you know thousands of dollars. We just mm. had our you know two hands. Well, Still working, hands, yeah, <laughs> uh, working full time jobs at the same time. Yeah, so that kind of you know we just did it slowly but surely, and then like funny enough, eight. It took us I think ten months from start yeah. to finish. It's very slow. Everything was done by us, and then we opened January fifteenth, just in time for we had like a month and a half. Oh, I think when was lockdown? Like March fourth. March fourteenth or something. Yeah, yeah, a month and a half. So we had a good, you know, two months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good two month run. I think we maybe it was January, early January. It was, yeah. But either way, yeah. And then uh, we're like, wow, okay, well, this is gonna happen. So. Yeah, I, we actually the first lockdown we didn't do anything. Uh, we didn't pivot. I think we just closed. We. Um, I don't think anyone th thought it was gonna. I th a few people did. I think pivoted, but they we were so new. We were still learning how to yeah. even run a business. So I think we didn't even have. I think everyone thought it was going to be over like within yeah. a few months yeah, I agree. or I think whatever. And did any of you work in the restaurant business before? No. Uh, very briefly. I was, oh, maybe actually. I, I was a, I just hosted. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've done some serving, a little bartending, but uh, that's why when we took the place over, there was no food. And I knew like there's like alcohol doesn't go bad. So there's no way we could lose money. Yeah. So opening the well, little did I know there's a lot of ways you can lose money. Yeah, in I know. Bar. <laughs> we didn't think that. <laughs> Shout out to COVID. But then, uh, yeah, the uh, we just thought, you know what, we'll start small. Yeah. Very, very, very small. I think we only started with like 20 seats or something. But then I also had eight months like with of like us getting it to open, um, yeah. to learn about how to bartend and all that. Um, I really like reading up on everything that I'm. If I'm going to be doing something, I need to do a lot of research on it. And uh, yes, I kind of just studied yeah. beforehand, but I never worked with it. No. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that speaks to sort of the passion behind what what you started with and seen an opportunity and that willingness to get in the mud and get your hands dirty. And you know, that I can do this, like that do it yourself mentality, not to say that you're going to do it yourself for the rest of the business, but in that inception where you have to be smart and make really strategic decisions, you're making those really early on. And were there any other strategic decisions you decided to make knowing that you were going to run this yourself other than sort of making sure like, hey, we don't want things that are going to go bad like food. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to keep it small to 20 people. Were there other things that were top of mind for you to say, this is our yes list, this is our no list, and we'll potentially get here, but not right now? Uh, we went, so everything was, you know, budget in mind because, you know, mm -hmm. we started, like we were funding it just us um, so we did very aggressive like social media campaigns because that doesn't cost anything other than time yeah right yeah um, we didn't have an agency it was just dull Jackie so she put hours and hours and hours into that um, yeah minimal overhead we did everything ourselves like like management payroll um, building yeah painting. building everything was done by us so everything was in mind like let's do it as cheaply as possible yeah. especially to, like two months in we're like we need to scrimp and save everything yeah and I worked we got lucky that kind of like the thrifting and vintage look is in because um everything we have is from value village or um other friends in the business like in like india village shout out to them they they donated a lot of stuff to us gave us some glassware yeah etc very yeah so um we didn't shy away from that i'm i think we just kept budget in mind for sure yeah um 
So money was a key driver around a lot of the things you decided that you were and and weren't going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also we, we always did everything striving to be authentic. So it was a slow, it's been a slow burn. Um, but, uh, we didn't want to be like some kind of, I don't know, Boston pizza. I mean, exactly. Not, you know, nothing better than Boston pizza. I think we didn't cave. I think we, we, there was a certain point where we were thought about it. Like we, we had a goal in mind um, and we were really stuck to it, I think. Like like Mm -hmm. you said, we didn't want just like a a generic experience that you can get somewhere else. Um, We really committed to making this space um, I think we've done that with not only just our marketing, but just even events that we were planning and, and we used to have like throwback nights we used to have, or we still do, sorry, actually. Um, we had trivia, like just little tiny things. I think we, we or events kind of helped build what we wanted to achieve, if that makes sense. And those are such a slow burn. Like doing mm-hmm. trivia, it takes like 10 our- rounds like 10 so was it like two and a half months to really start to get a good crowd yeah that's going to consistently show up and Mm -hmm. like have a good time and refer people to you yeah it's really interesting because um you brought up boston pizza and i think where maybe you were trying to go with that is like you didn't want to be cookie cutter yeah Yeah. right you didn't want to be like i'm going to be another franchise i'm going to be you know, something people trust, I'm using air quotes here, with the names, but you wanted to go back to that authentic experience that you talked about. And that authentic experience comes from what you really want your customers to to experience when they were actually there with you at the bar. Yeah. So when, you, when it came to, you know, building that authentic experience, what, what is that experience that you want customers to leave with? Um, I think I've said this before. I really like having a safe space. Like I said, Baltimore House was that place where I could go. I would go sometimes alone. I felt really safe, and I, I, I and I felt like even if I was sitting alone, I still felt included. A very inclusive space. Um, that's something that's always really important to me when we created the the bar because I think the previous bar was not that type of place um and i think that was something that was that is missing in the neighborhood in the community there um there's been growing pains with the with the community um they used to have you know very cheap beer uh they would sell canadian but it was actually james ready yeah it was a bit of a yeah and you know they're like where's my five dollar pints and we made like 650 we're like you know we we have to like Something that like I feel like it was a bit of a more rough space is I guess what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. And I that's... we're trying to make we're trying to make it comfy and inclusive for people. Everybody to be there and yeah. yeah but then I... you have to like changing crowds. It's it's a slow burn. It was yeah yeah. Um, and we'd have like events and space or uh, that not the community. Some people weren't that happy about. Um, and I think. For a while, we saw a little bit of a, a dip in sales because of that. But I think something that just I I've, it's something you have to commit to. We had to and commit, then you, and I it was I yeah I think it was so important to us that we didn't we didn't let that. Um, yeah, dra- drag sh- uh, what's um, drag show night yeah. caused some like ruffling a bit feathers. Of a stir, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I guess the, the, the why idea. was why was your business ruffling feathers in the community? Um, I don't. I don't. They well, they really were vocal about it. They said that they were that we were. Um, what's the word? 
Oh, um, gentrifying. Yes. <laughs> yes. We um, just put some paint on the walls, and you know, yeah, the fact know. that we we pay people to clean the lines, and uh, that's it, gentrifying. And but. I think there were some things that they they didn't want to see too much change. Uh, a lot of people that would come by, they were like, "Oh, where's our Scottish night?" And I was like, "Well." Oh, oh yeah, Bob, Bobby Burns. Yeah, Bobby Burns yeah. night, and I, that's something I, I, to be honest, I didn't know about. Um, but I was like, oh, you can come by next month for Cinco de Mayo, though. <laughs> that's <laughs> not that I know, but um, yeah. yeah, and I, and I they just, I, I feel like it, we really committed to having more events that. Um, the neighborhood's changing, like just from demographics, right? Like a yeah. lot of master students are. It, McMaster is becoming more international by the semester. You know, they have. Um, a direct line now to the one this that one Mexican university then they you know they we, oh, yeah. they exchange students all the time so yeah. you know we're just we started uh, catering, uh, to, cat yeah, catering to those to more than just a certain more than just Scottish pub yeah type. it's not a Scottish pub yeah. type and I, I think, think to some people they grew up on that and and they weren't happy to see something that was anything other than that um, yeah so we did see a dip in sales but you know we committed to it and i think it's it's paying off right yeah now. we're seeing a great community really um yeah I, I i have no complaints about anybody that even walks into the bar i feel like everybody knows what kind of space it is so they not act accordingly but they the, the like i don't know how to say that nicely but like i feel like there's no place for hatred in our space and yeah. I feel like people know that mm -hmm. and we're seeing a change and a shift of the, the people who come by because of that or the behavior maybe not people but the behaviors that happen at the bar like we're not that place where you kind of start a fight at all uh, yeah. I mean, so you you really had to you know say hey current customer you're used to this location, yeah. but we're no longer that business. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with that business yeah. and who they cater to, but it's we just cater to a different new audience and it's either you stay and experience it or, you know, yeah, we, we broadened. We broadened it. You yeah. know, we, lovely. That was a lovely way to say <laughs> yeah. it. Honestly, I yeah. was like, that's what I'm trying to say and I can't yeah. say it. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, go on. No, I was, yeah, I was agreeing. Yeah, we we broadened it and um I think it's it's really uh, opened up like different avenues of business like our, yeah, our sure. like night markets and stuff yeah like through the pandemic we uh like i my landlord very graciously allowed me to take the back mm -hmm. and so because we had the back patio yeah patios it used to be parking um and then i negotiated with all the tenants i was like hey you park here you park over here now we have this whole back and we did like the night market we did um, I don't know. We've we done so we much stuff outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I'm hoping to do a lot more in the summer too. Um, and then we've also hosted like a few pop-ups as well. Yeah. There's um, just so many things out there to celebrate other than you know just, just a, Scottish pub. Yeah, yeah, or just beer. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel like just beer. Exactly. I, I know we're I, I, that's something I might want to remove in the in the future is the word bar. Is that unless a bar maybe just means more now, but for me the side door is more than a bar. Um, and I think we're getting there. I think we're growing and we're, and we're building that. It's, it's becoming a space. Yeah. Which I love. It is becoming an yeah. event space. Like the side door space. Yeah. Side door space. Yeah, side door space. <laughs> I want to sort of uh, take us back a little and dive into two months into your business. You've yeah. worked hard for almost a year, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and then here comes COVID and it's like, lock your doors. Yeah no socializing yeah. social distance 
what did that do for you the first lockdown and then we'll talk about some of the pivots you made um going forward um well we had to yeah, I mean, we, we literally of, lived in the bar. Not gonna lie, <laughs> we kind of we um, we both had full time jobs, and Ben was commuting to Toronto at the time while we were running the bar. So I was, and I also still had my full time. So in that sense, I would say we were lucky people. Where I know a lot of people fully commit to when they open a business, they fully go into it. And I think at that time for us, it made sense not to. We wanted to, but I, I guess we're glad we didn't at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah we just kind of had to make a lot, a lot of budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that yeah, I would yeah. call being flexible. Very mm-hmm. flexible. Yeah, we were very flexible. I we we knew um, we had. Well, I forgot where we, we we were living back then. Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, we had to give up our apartment. Yeah, just to you know, because you can't keeping two rents. Yeah, that yeah. was a lot. That's tough, hard. So. Um, I don't even know. I think we obviously we were upset, but I didn't think we knew the how long the lockdown was going to be also the effect that it has on still has on people and people's habits people's habits have changed a lot and uh, a lot of places are adapting and some places aren't so mm-hmm. I'm hoping we're adapting I think that's why we were we were upset of course but I think that's why we weren't that upset I think we knew that again we we're both really digital people that there is another way there's, there's always, there, a way, there's yeah. always mm-hmm. another way we have like an indomitable will yeah it's like we're gonna do doesn't it doesn't matter yeah. you know like, and like well, what's Joe. that other way um at the time the first lockdown we didn't do anything uh for the business i just kind of continued marketing like we're still here um we're ready to come back when we can but i think our second lockdown that's when we we put yeah, our it's strength for real and... yeah and we started going online we were an online shop we had our website overnight basically i built that website yeah delivery uh, we tried doing online trivia we we partnered with um playhouse theater to do um they they did online I don't oscar know, shorts yeah oscar shorts and we provided so we would cater the little like an A oscar kit. night kit for yeah. them and then that you know that would go with uh, their movie tickets that they would watch online. We moved towards more product based and obviously uh, an experience and then the event space that I, I mm-hmm. wanted to build, I think that was put on hold, but... Um... We made a lot of a lot more connections with breweries that were in Ontario still, but like way off the beaten path. We really saw that like... Um, we did like a networking event too. We we saw we did a lot more networking uh, events, and we saw that other people were in the same situation as us, and really bonded with other businesses as well. So I feel like that's what we did in the meantime, and uh, it only we kind of we came out stronger. I think mm-hmm. um, I yeah partnerships par- yeah, will always grow your business. Yeah. yeah, especially like really strong strategic partnerships mm-hmm. that make sense. You have the same goal. You're serving the same customer. How can you maximize that experience by getting both your names in front of that customer? Yeah. Yeah. And with, you know, sort of this second lockdown, then you're like, all right, we have to do something different. This isn't going away. When did all the other ideas of what the side door bar could become and how did you focus on them in a strategic way where you're like, this is going to carry us through the pandemic and then into the future? Um, I think because we saw the success of our creating our products, being online, our delivery, our pickup, um, and like I, like Ben was saying, our partnerships. 
um, I think we saw a success in that while we were shut down. So we it only made us stronger in when we opened up again because we continued to do that. But now we actually had more, like obviously opened up. So now we had more opportunity and more um, ways to continue what we were doing online. We could continue the online and then still become uh, or, or use those partnerships in person. So I don't know. I feel like, yeah. I, I think the way everything's going, I've said this, is that um, you can't just rely on being a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Or you, you have to... Um, people are, are very used to living at home now mm -hmm. and partying at home with their friends. And you, it's not enough to just rely on a huge Friday, Saturday crowd. So you have to, you know, you have to get with the times. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I agree with that. And reach them where they are. Yeah, yeah. but also yeah. And you can't just, and at the same time, you, no one just wants to drink Molson anymore. You know, mm -hmm. they, they want to feel connected to their beer. Um, and that's something that we're, you know, right from the beginning, we wanted to do that. I think like we always wanted to be that place where we featured local um, businesses or so, like the local brewery. So we had Green and Grit Fairweather, mm -hmm. Collective Arts. We had other small local um, beers. It's funny because we actually first started with being a Hamilton bar. So our cocktails are still Hamilton themed, like they have Hamilton names. Um, but our beer was at first um, almost exclusively Hamilton and Burlington um, but then during the pandemic I think the whole support local movement um, moved us yeah, yeah. and it, we became that place too like we yeah I, I just feel yeah, like we got to show love to you know Prince Edward County where yeah um, they were you know obviously they were completely shut down they almost exclusively rely on tourists um, revenue yeah, yeah, yeah. tourist yeah. revenue and I feel like there was more of it it wasn't even just like to be nicer to whatever it, there was a demand for it so i think yeah. that it's beyond us actually wanting to support of course everybody wants to support but we actually could justify it in that there was a demand for it so that people want the authenticity yeah you know? That's yeah. A, yeah further made the place more authentic but also these places they you know you won't find them in the lcbo mm -hmm. a lot of their beers like the names alone um the, the lcbo is very strict naming conventions um, and so all their stuff, you know, they're, they're violating all these, like, what do you call them? The, like, they just the LCBO rules. So you'll never find these beers. Certain the, beers that we have, yeah. In the LC, a lot of beers. Most of our beers, yeah. And yeah. that's our goal is that we want to have, we want to feature and we curate our fridge so that it has um, beers that you can't find elsewhere. And we try also, like, even areas or restaurants near us, like, we try to pick even, even if it's the same brewery, but maybe a different selection. Um, that's not available that's elsewhere. Not available. Yeah. And yeah. that's how you differentiate yourself. Exactly. And, and allows your business to, you know, have longevity to it because yeah. people always keep coming for mm -hmm. this one unique factor. Exactly. But beer is not only your unique factor. You have... Um, you serve food at your restaurant um, at the side door bar, but it's served from a truck, a food truck. How did you come up with this idea to sort of pair these two things together? And how is this experience even more unique compared to regular restaurants? Um, well, we started with pop-ups. So a lot of, um, I think... Uh, one of our first pop-ups was the pierogi me and um, a maid, um, they make tamales and um, we really started with that and then as I feel like as they grew we also we brought, we, we kind of rotated mm -hmm. um, different pop-ups and we saw the the crowds like the amount of people that would come in just for food um, and we knew we had to do something 
more regular, more like every day there was going to be food available. Um, and I wanted that experience to happen every day, not just once every month. Um, so I think that's kind of what drove us to get the food truck. Um, but then also being, you know, in the vein of being flexible and because everything we do is designed by it's intended to allow us to move to other stuff like uh, different applications. So the bus, um, it worked for a number of different reasons. One, you know, it allowed us to serve food right away. Mm -hmm. um, it gave us great visibility on the street. Um, it allowed dogs and eventually cats, hopefully, into the into the bar because you know the, it's completely separate. Um, so yeah, just I, I thought like a, a bus was much more us. Yeah, <laughs> it really was, and we were actually a lot of the things and decisions that we make are things that. Um, are things that we like to see when we go somewhere. So I love to see, I love pop-ups. So that the mm -hmm. idea of having a pop-up was um, just natural to me, but I love food trucks. So I love food truck festivals. I love like trying new foods. Um, so I feel like I really liked that about the, the flex, like you said, the flexibility of our bus. We could move it if we wanted to, or we could keep it there. It, I, we didn't know what we really, in the moment we were like, we could take we could like cater and do uh, beer and food. We lived in a very uncertain world, so. Exactly, so we were like, if, if let's say, you know, another lockdown, well, we can move and we can pivot and. Uh, yeah, we could take it to quite a. Quite literally. Yeah, <laughs> we can move to a much more populated corner. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of part of the process of like, throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that didn't stick that you tried? Um. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think we got, we're always changing things, even from like hours of like what works. Like we go, uh, we try things, and if they don't work, then we we just like pivot, I guess, or we we, we change that word. Eh? Well, I, I, I did, <laughs> we ran uh, one event. I call it Monster Movie Mondays. Um, there was there's always a like there's a 75 year um, what do you call it like copyright expiry expiry. So every day there's new movies that are coming out that are free. Yeah. So I used to play old monster movies because they were huge in like whatever that is the 1940s, yeah, which is great. But um, it didn't really it didn't, it didn't really work. You know, the movies are actually really bad and like and Mondays in general. So we're yeah. closed right now Mondays. I mean, we're hoping that'll change one day. But right now, um, we were open twenty not twenty four seven, but kind of felt that way. We were open from like ten a.m. till two a.m. That's one thing that we tried is to do everything at once. Oh, we we yeah, tried that doesn't way work. too much. Yeah, um, killing yourself by working yourself to death is uh, not it does it doesn't work. We it tried doesn't it. work. Um, Can't uh, recommend it. That we also because we got the truck and because we wanted to expand and do a lot more, um, we did take on a lot more in our more work wise. Like I, we were working it was several like, jobs yeah. just to kind of make up for a lot of things. And I think that's something that we saw that didn't work. We're a lot more patient now. Um, we do prioritize our, ourselves when running the, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we needed this business and uh, we also have a team behind us. We needed to do so much more for them is how I felt. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like that's definitely a learning curve. Is, the biggest know, thing that doesn't work. Put yourself work. first sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I'm hearing from you here is you have to focus, yeah. right? You have to decide what you're gonna do, how you're gonna do it well, and then do that well until you have the means to sort of expand. And exactly. We all only have 24 hours in a day. I probably say the statement on every single one of these <laughs> podcasts, but it's true. Yeah. It's one of the basic facts that we all share is 
we all have 24 hours in a day and even though you're two people you have 48 hours between the two of you there's still only so much that you can achieve especially when you're still potentially working full time mm -hmm. um, to actually help fund the business um, from that end. And Sidar Bar wasn't necessarily the only thing that you've done within this time. So in a span of, let's say, let's say three years or so, yeah. you started the Sidar Bar, you work eight months, you got it up and running, the pandemic came, you had to pivot, pivot, pivot. And would you say you're in sort of a sweet spot with the side door bar yeah, right now? Yeah, I would say so. And what is that experience for um, for someone today? So they would come to the side door bar, bring their dog, hang out on the patio, order some food from the food truck, and just have a good time? Um, and also, you know, they can see, we have, I think, a, one of the biggest selections of craft beer in Hamilton. Yeah, there's that as well. Um, and I think um, beyond that, on our in our patio, we also have igloo. So we kind of, we keep on finding ways to create a new experience beyond just food, drinks, and um, good service. So I, uh, we've seen some success with that. And um, I think we're, we just like want to keep on creating a, a unique experience. So that's one way. And then just even our trivial nights, um, and we're gonna be doing some more we actually added an arcade uh to the bar we saw some like i think uh, like i said back in when i was saying i really love the experience i'd have at baltimore house something that was unique there is that beyond their events they also had little um video things, games video games that you can yeah. distract yourself if you're just there by yourself you don't feel like socializing at the bar there was a video game you could do and we always had that actually we had like um, a tv and a they had like, plates of cheese if you won uh trivia like of like yeah. unique, unique cheeses, which I thought yeah. was really cool. <laughs> but yeah, just um, all those those little things stick out in your head, yeah, and, so and that's what we're kind of going for. That's what we're going mm -hmm. for, and that's what I think people can get when they come to the bars. That we have a bit of a unique experience. Like I said, I also bring. I don't actually know if I said that. I bring my dog, and she's kind of she greets everybody at the door. She's a very friendly dog. She's kind of the bar dog greets everybody at the door and then takes them to their table unintentionally I swear we did not train her to do that but she does do that <laughs> um just little things I think um yeah, personal touches it's increase like increase the experience this, this yeah. isn't a canned bar this is like yeah you're not just mm -hmm. gonna come here to eat Tomate. maybe you are but um most people I find don't just come here to eat they know that we have these things going on a lot of people that haven't visited us have actually said that they've always wanted to try us because they've heard that we have a new thing going on every week like especially in the summer when we had new pop-ups every week and um yeah I, but I'm, doesn't that pose a challenge to you if you have just customers, you're doing different things that cater to like very different customers and sort of having that turnover. Is that something that you're concerned about? Um, well, what we found is when we work with people who like the tamale, um, yeah. the tamales, they, they bring their own customers and, you know, getting out there with like, like, well, broadening your scope broadens your, broadens your customers. So yeah yeah that's what i like and same with hub of hammer who does our trivia um yeah he brings in a lot of his followers too so kind of i think that's where it stopped being so much of it it was more challenging when i was planning each event and they were just um like i was doing trivia on my own 
But yeah, no, it, I found that uh, it broadened the customer base. People, uh, the bar was only catering to uh, like a day crowd that just like to drink excessively. Okay. We wanted, and they only drink, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm not talking crap about them. They're, they were nice. A lot of some of them were nice Oh yeah, people. they're great people. I mean, but, but I thought there's yeah. so much more out there to enjoy. Like tamales, There's more, tamales. they can still continue to come to our space, but more people can now come great. to our space. Great, I love pierogies. The night market is amazing. There's so much cool art that got brought. Yeah. Um, there's just so many like new experiences out there, and I think that's what we want to provide and yeah. make a space where you you can always find new experiences. And but, I think that will bring a lot of people. Yeah, but I think like what you're saying, like the challenge of like having that. I mean, I used to like I said before when I um, not what's the other word? Not delegate, but kind of like other people took chart take charge of each event so like hub of hammer that's his event and i really don't do i don't do anything for it other than promote it on our social media i don't really have a hand in that and i love that um but people can really make their event their own and i think that's what we're kind of get like heading towards is that i'm it's no longer going to be a meet ben and jackie's event it's going to be insert somebody's day this is their thursday especially because i think i don't i haven't seen the actual numbers but i suspect that people go out maybe like 30 percent of what they used to mm -hmm. um so you have to breach new customers otherwise you'll never see the sales that you did pre-pandemic mm -hmm. like i don't know uh, a lot of this uber eats and stuff you don't need to go to a restaurant to get, to get the restaurant experience uh, like two good friends of mine used to be huge foodies mm -hmm. they would go out three times a week now they'll go out maybe once every two weeks, and I think that story is a lot more common than than mm -hmm. that's that's the uh, the rule, not the exception. Yeah, it the pandemic definitely has reshaped our lives in a different way, and um, I think that's something obviously you guys experience as business owners, especially in an industry that was so heavily affected in this way because you can't really digitize food mm -hmm. you can you know send it through uber eats but that's also costing you a pretty penny to be on services like that or even have your own delivery systems yeah. so it's really interesting to see how you've pivoted over time and you'll obviously continue to pivot as things change and as the environment change but you also took the opportunity to step into a whole new industry mm -hmm. during this time. And with all of this going on with the side door bar, what was that shiny ball that said, hey, I'm attractive, come get me? What was yeah. that business? Um, so actually the first lockdown is where I kind of want, I, I did think about the fact that maybe the bar won't open again. I think it was just like three months in and we're like, okay, this is this is going on longer than we thought. Um, I always had an interest in um, just owning cannabis business. I really liked that idea and I kind of thought that maybe we should turn our bar into a cannabis store. But then it, we, and then obviously we opened up again, but the idea was still there. It just like, I, I, I like we both really wanted that. Um, yeah, I think for <laughs> that, that's kind of like what attracted me to it. It's just that I really saw, um, I had an interest in it, but I also kind of saw that it could be not lucrative, but you know, well, what I mean? like what I always pictured from the beginning after the first lockdown, I thought, you know what, a restaurant alone isn't gonna work. 
um, because there's there's going to be more pandemics in the future, I think. And or even if there isn't, like that's something you can't bet on. And to survive, you have to adapt. So. I think in our heads we always thought, you know, we want to make experiences that people can take home, and that's why we have amazing beer that is from. You'll never find the LCBO. You'd have to go to Prince Edward County to get it, or, or Bowmanville. Like, yeah, yeah really and cool places. So with that in mind, we wanted to sell. We want products that you can come and say, okay, I'm going to have like a Friday night pack with some few grams of flour. Yeah. Some like you can find some great wine, some great beer, all in one stop essentially. But I think we were actually looking at other locations before we settled on having the cannabis store in the same building as the bar. Um, but it then, as soon as the opportunity came, we it was instantly we're like, this is a no brainer for us. This is a one stop shop. You can yeah. In, yeah. in in the future, like we're moving, we're always like in their heads. Are we're it's, we're glacially moving towards um, products. But what made cannabis itself attractive? This this is a heavily regulated industry. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's brand new in the grand scheme of other industries. I mean, we know the other markets exist, yeah. but from a legal standpoint, it's so new, heavily regulated. You can't market um, on social media yeah. and like other businesses. So why was this attractive to you? It was attracted me in particular because. Um, I think I don't have a lot of great talents, but I think my one good talent is fighting the government on anything. <laughs> and so I knew there's a big barrier to entry uh, that keeps a lot of people out. For me, it was product wise. I really like being able to sell something I'm passionate about. And um, and that's not to say that I wasn't passionate about craft beer because I really do love all of that as well. But I think I, I've had more passions and it wasn't. I wanted something that didn't have to, like, not in the same realm of alcohol. Um, I wanted something else. I'm really into... It's the same vein. Same, it's the same vein, but I would yeah. say a lot. I go into it a lot more, like, um, the health benefits of it. Like, I've, I've always really liked um, health products in itself and, and um, being able to help others. I feel like... I, was I mean, like, even though we can't actually talk about the health no we can't really but i mean there are products that help me personally and i was like well this is amazing and i like i love listening i love going to a shop and getting suggestions and like i i I feel really passionate about the products that i buy um so i felt like i could be equally as passionate selling them i think they they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. if you're the type of person that enjoys good cocktails good wine good beer you're also very likely going to enjoy <clears throat> good cannabis good cannabis drinks cannabis creams they're uh we, we're, we're diversifying our yeah um, cannabis i mean my stock. my focus at the shop is beyond being just an express like we have a lot of pre-rolls um because we just a lot of people do come from the bar actually and they just want to they're like okay they're just gonna grab and go they're not it's late night they're ready to go home and they just want something super quick mm-hmm. um, but beyond that I really um, I've curated our selection of CBD products topicals and also baking so that's something that I was always interested in as well is just CBD like using uh, different ways of using CBD and creative ways of using um, There's a, cannabis we have a, we have a THC um, mug cake Yes, so the fun stuff like that, I thought, and that's something I didn't always find at every st- every shop. I found a lot of shops focused on flower, focused on people who are actually more um, knowledgeable in cannabis and um, knew what they were doing, Or whereas I kind of feel like our shop is a bit of a, a great spot for a beginner. 
um, and a great spot for somebody who really who has questions and might be too shy or scared to ask somebody else or somewhere else I just I feel like I love creating that like I said a safe space mm-hmm. um, a chill space a very like that that's kind of how I see our shop going I've never been into a cannabis shop that I thought okay this is Hamilton you know okay like cheapies I kind of mm-hmm. thought it was like a cheapies like place. Like a record store. Like a record store. It's like, it's a place where you're like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I can have a one-on-one conversation with the person behind the counter. Mm-hmm. Whereas I go to a lot of these places and they just feel like they're, uh, I don't know. If I feel like I'm going to the perfume section at the moment. I agree. And I feel like it's really intimidating. I feel like a lot of places I've exactly. gone to before feel very intimidating. Um, so I think we are right now actually only express. Um, we only have a window takeout, a takeout window, but event we are like trying to. I think like that. some people sometimes they want to have a conversation, and mm-hmm. sometimes they're having a bad day and they just want to get in and out. Okay. And so that's kind of like the idea for the shop is yeah, that you can so. you can pick and choose your adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can enter if you want, but if you don't, if you want to go, if you're in a rush, you just want to like. Yeah. Or, if or you and, don't... but you still say hi to the guy because or the girl behind the counter because you're like, yeah. oh hey, like. I just saw yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And so everything that we have is on an iPad, which I think a lot of other stores have as well. Um, but it's just a lot easier for people to navigate. And so I think we try, as much as it's an express store, our bud tender, we try to have people who are very knowledgeable in, in a lot of other aspects. So I might be the CBD expert, but we have somebody who's a pre-roll. Um, and I think it kind of boils down to our team too like to I make like to it that a, space i like to think we have a very interesting team yeah okay. so we're expressed but we have such a chill and welcoming team that as soon as you walk in like maybe you came in for a pre-roll but you're still curious about other things i find a lot of customers will be like oh can i get this pre-roll and we'll ask them a question of like oh what are you looking for and they're like actually, i actually have no idea i feel like I, I that welcomes like that allows us to you know like educate not educate that's kind of a well maybe educate people no I mean people are definitely walking into cannabis store and being educated yeah and and, for sure. and that's the goal um, but when we when we talk about you know this cannabis store and jumping into the cannabis industry being really you know that new shiny ball when you just started another business we talked about the regulations of it and things like that and I think what makes your cannabis store really unique is that if you are sort of that grab and go and that's the people you want to cater to but also you know there is a lot of education that needs to happen Mm -hmm. in the industry so it's really exciting to see that you have experts on your team that can help walk like newbies through it and be like okay this is your first experience these are the different kinds of cannabis available and it's really education because from what i know of the industry um the word sales really isn't something they want to they want to use within it but you know a knowledgeable customer is a powerful customer yeah a knowledgeable customer is going to buy more from you so it's kind of you know a great position to be in from a in a cannabis store and being a founder of it because Mm -hmm. you get to teach your customers about your product and make them educated to buy what's right for them yeah and not necessarily attaching 
health benefits to it and all of these other benefits to it it's sort of like you know you choose your own party yeah and And the other thing too though is from there we're very um we're very adamant that everyone gets cross-trained between the bar and the the pot shop Mm -hmm. so then if you know we're all it's all about being like comfortable and sometimes on like canvas stores are very daunting like the windows are like covered yeah our, um, windows, are, our windows are covered yeah, they windows have to be legally so, <laughs> but you can you can also go around the bar and talk to someone who's a qualified bud tender as they make you a cocktail yeah if you have for questions. sure i think a lot there it's a slow like slowly we're growing there because i, I we have a few customers that are like oh i saw on social media that you also do cannabis and they'd like ask us for more information some people would never step foot in a canvas store even though they really want to they their whole life they've grown up thinking that it's there's a stigma to it yeah yeah yeah, but then in the bar you know everyone goes to the bar you talk to your bartender and so it's a great way to upsell but also a a good way to like make everybody comfortable buying cannabis of any sort Mm -hmm. um and yeah every yeah every they're always crossed just for that reason because people talk to their bartender like about stuff that they won't even tell their you know their own family or something yeah so. absolutely <laughs> oh, so. they're the secret keepers they yeah. are they are yeah. i have been one i have been a secret keeper <laughs> uh, do you see um in bloom sort of folding in really neatly with the bar one day yeah for sure i mean uh, i think we're kind of getting there i i market it as like kind of a one-stop shop um, even though legally we can't sell cannabis there, you like the way I see it is that, like you said, everybody's cross trained. So we're kind of, it's still, it's like, it's, it, we're not at the cannabis store when we're at the bar, but you kind of are like, you're still getting the exact same information. Um, I have actually like the menu available and they can scan it and all that, but, um, I would love to see it a little bit even closer. Like I wish you could just walk into the cannabis store and the bar, but I mean, that's legally not a thing yeah. yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. They they are one entity for me really right now, and I hope that eventually it'll be that way. We're trying to blur the lines because it. I don't like seeing, like I said, the perfume experience where everything's like way too shiny and everything's mm-hmm. locked behind cages, uh, and the people are you know you feel like you're doing something naughty by like even being there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to alleviate a lot of that um, like stigma and also make it a lot more comfortable. Yeah, it must feel taboo, but a lot of those taboo things that make it feel taboo are are regulations, right? Yeah. So it's it's hard to get around it, even though, Ben, we know you love, you know, giving the government a good challenge. (laughs) um, Oh, I ask them things all the time. They're like, no one's ever asked me that before. Oh, I think I, I, like, yeah, we always get, I'm surprised. Like, really? Nobody's asked you that? Well, because, so, like I said, you know, we talked about uh, the bartender also being a bud tender. And you're sitting across the, across the bar from them, and you you can literally ask them questions. And I was like, so at what point, like, is it legal to take a payment at the bar? Because there's, you know, if you take a payment online, um, what's the difference between taking it like at your home versus like doing one on a terminal at the bar, and then picking up at the at the pot shop? They're like, well, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but then now let's say the bud tender walks around from the pot shop, delivers it in person to the bar. They're like. That's not. They're like no one's ever asked me. They were like, um, um, (laughs) yeah. I think that's just like a pretty natural place to be in, especially 
knowing that the industry is so young from a legal standpoint. Yeah. So they are still, you know, ultimately you're helping them write the laws and the regulations. Yeah. And that's what it means to, you know, be an active participant in the future of your own business is because regulations always going to be a huge part of this business. And if you're asking all the right questions um, or even the questions they don't even want asked, yeah. then you're help shaping that regulation in some way, shape, some way, shape or form. And that allows you to get more of what you want versus not saying anything um, and getting everything sort of pushed down on you from there. So I, I, I think that's a really cool and great thing that you guys are doing is to oh, sort of actively you know indirectly lobby you know yeah. um, in in different ways by sort of poking holes asking questions and you know you can't make things up all the time yeah so hopefully something is, goes further like technology is changing so fast that uh, um, like for example the arcade uh, you know I asked we just installed an arcade machine and I had this idea, I was like, if, if you, you know, every day the bud tender will set a high score in a certain game. And then if you come in and you beat that high score, you get 10% off your your bill mm -hmm. for the for the cannabis shop. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, they're like, I'm not even sure that's legal, but they, you know, that's still, they're still like thinking about it because yeah. they, that's never come up before. Because you've gamified this. Yeah. Right? And you're not supposed to encourage it, but it's also like you're not exactly encouraging yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess that's kind of how you were, you asked, like, how do we see um, Sidor and In Bloom working together in the future? And I feel like that's kind of how, like, we, I, I have a menu for the, the In Bloom cannabis website on each table. It, it does have age gates, so, like, it, it's, um, we can't have a terminal or a POS there, but it still feels like. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. One day. It's slowly integrating slowly, with yeah. each other. How do you see the future of sort of like restaurants and these businesses? Because we know like cigar lounges became a big thing at some point in time. They still are, depending on where you are in the world. Um, do you sort of see this happening with cannabis and restaurants and having this in industry, like these two industries, fully integrated like alcohol? A little, I kind of, I hope so. And I actually think, um, so what we're planning on doing is, uh, again, I'm really passionate about CBD, um, but there is CBD that does not have any THC or cannabis in it right now. And actually there is a restaurant in Grand Bend, uh, Ontario, where they, so the restaurant is owning a patio with the uh, cannabis shop. So there's it's a it's a huge gray area because they're serving food, but then you don't say where it is. No, they do it. Agency <laughs> the was fine with it so okay, far, yeah. but uh, so they um, it's really interesting. They serve the food, and then there's like a deal where you can buy like uh, THC oil, so you can combine it yourself on the patio. Oh, yeah. that's something we're gonna be doing though, because. No, I'm just that's saying, yeah, the envelope too that's, much. it's pushing envelope too yeah, much. Yeah, we're not going to be pushing least. any envelopes. We're going to do everything, obviously, above board. And like, and like make I said, sure, make sure you get it in writing too. Yeah. <laughs> From the AGC. Yeah, always, always. Like, and that's something that we are very cautious of. We're not rule breakers because we have a lot lying that are, that's on the line. So um, everything we do, that's why we have so many questions for the, the city and the AGCO. All it's, the it's really a, like, it's a very interesting time because no one's allowed to sell cannabis except for a cannabis store mm -hmm. but then let's say you opened up you put a grill in in the store and I don't know somehow like the customer buys it and then you 
let's say you put it in a cake for them or yeah who knows that's like there's no there's no law right now that's that explicitly states whether that's legal or, or illegal yeah so and I they think, haven't figured that out yet i think eventually i can see it kind of i think we're gonna by. see those yeah i don't know about smoking i think smoking is a whole different thing because um i mean there's no smoking yeah. in a business anyways Correct. but i think with edibles or, or like um beverages there's so many be like um collective arts actually has um cannabis beverages so i feel like well, what's to stop you know? What's to stop someone from saying, okay, here's a designated smoking spot that's not part of the patio? Yeah, or a designated like cannabis spot. Yeah, yeah I, we, I, have I feel no like it breaks idea. a rule, but we just don't know. Yeah, it probably does. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I think, I don't know. I kind of see it. I mean, the the rules are changing with the times, but they're so. not changing mm -hmm. fast enough. They're not. Yeah. No. yeah. But for now, we are gonna just have hemp. Uh, hemp CBD cocktails. Hemp CBD cocktails. And we can't actually, talk about the health benefits for that. So for no, the bar. we can. The we bar can. can yeah. yeah, because it's hemp. Um, actually, I, that's how I started getting into CBD. So I mean, it still has its benefits. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Well, this has been sort of, you know, a real journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A real adventure. <laughs> a lot of like deviations, oh, yeah. side paths. You know, shiny balls over here, um, aka in bloom cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how much have you learned? What have you learned? What do you want our audience to learn from your experience? Um, I don't know. I think we've learned a lot on, along the way. I don't even know how to pinpoint it with one thing, but it, it reminds me of like the the story of the 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 dinosaurs and how they went extinct because the meteor. And the story is the story goes all of the big dinosaurs died because they couldn't adapt, mm -hmm. and I think that's where we're heading. Is that you know, adapt. we we learn to adapt, and the world is changing, and uh, a lot of places aren't able to keep up just because. But then I would also say um, some places are, some places definitely are. Yeah, definitely prioritize yourself too. So I, I mean, mean we're, we're we're doing a podcast in a shared space like that's that, amazing this didn't yeah. exist what three years ago four years ago yeah no i'm probably like five anyways yeah but um yeah i think learning how to adapt but then also kind of um something that we've learned in the hard way is not prioritizing our own ourselves and you know giving ourselves a break it's um, definitely trust pe you trust your people but hire, hire yeah people there's challenges that are beyond us and um yeah i i think just never give up. Never, never give up. But also be easy on go easy on yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's what I that's what I learned yourself. along the way for sure. Yeah. Because we want to be super successful. We want to do things the right way all the time. And I think that's something that's so important for a lot of especially new entrepreneurs that's never done it. And I mean you guys um are a little bit different. You became serial entrepreneurs in a matter of, you know, months when we talk of a span of three years to, to sort of start building two businesses. And I think that's important because if you burn out, your business burns out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so sort of caring for yourself, but make, but knowing that there is a lot of hard work that goes into your business. You talked about it in the beginning when you talked about those blood, sweat, and tears for eight months doing everything yourself in order to get side door open. And then you were hit with a big challenge, which was COVID. And you pivoted a few times through there and you realize, hey, this industry, you know, is susceptible to like a lot of these big volatilities that exist that are totally out of your control. Mm -hmm. So then how can you 
create something that's more sustainable for yourself that will take you into the future and that's where in bloom came in so it's it's really cool to sort of see how your story you know started out of just a random bar that no longer existed um turned into you know two businesses later and i won't be surprised if you have a new business by the end of this year (laughs) so let us know if you do but um i mean summer's coming this episode is going live um in may um so where can people find you um 1831 Main Street West. Um, On the patio. We'll be fully open on the patio. Um, Yeah, you'll see us. You'll definitely see us on the patio. You'll see Molly on the on and the our patio. our taco menu. We got taco coming. <laughs> Eating um, a taco, having a I'm not having uh, having a CBD, a hemp based CBD <laughs> cocktail. Yeah. And a taco. That's where you'll see. Some spritzers. You. Um, some... Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. representing the west side of Hamilton. Yeah. And it, 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 I, it's my favorite part of Hamilton because there's so much nature and there's like the, the Bruce Trail goes like quite literally through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can walk all the way from where we are, where the bar is, to Niagara Falls and then turn around and go to like Brantford. Yeah, that's it's kind of crazy. Same, it's the it's same trail. Crazy, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So That's if you're on the cool. way to Niagara Falls, <laughs> stop by. You're walking there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, guys, thank you so much for sort of taking me on your journey and, you know, taking me to the places that not too many people know of. And I hope your story is really inspiring to others and know that, you know, they can take an idea and turn it into something and know that they don't have to just fail and shut down yeah. at the first sight of hardship. They can be creative and they can take their learnings and look at things from a different perspective to show how they can carve out niche spots within industries and sort of also follow the money, go where it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, craft beer took you there. Yeah. Um, and I think you gave us a lot of really good points to to take, to share with anyone thinking about being an entrepreneur, and also a great place to come hang out on a patio um, this summer, which I'm really excited about, and I will definitely see you there. Oh, thank, thank you. you so thank you so much us. for yeah. having us. This is first amazing. podcast. Yeah, first ever. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you guys did great, um, so I thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. A huge thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at, at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardenia. Khalid Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R., and yours truly, Shalacia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.